Welcome to the radio broadcast of Pineview Baptist Church, a growing community of faith in the Belfast community of Goldsboro. We are located at 3357 U.S. Highway 117 North in Goldsboro. We invite you to find out more about our congregation by visiting us at facebook.com forward slash Pineview Baptist Goldsboro. Join us now for our weekly message. If you would like more information about Pineview Baptist Church, we invite you to follow us on social media. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Pineview Baptist Goldsboro. There, you will find information about our service times, upcoming events, directions to our church, and videos of our Sunday services. Well, I was uh, glad when they said unto me to come to Goldsboro, North Carolina, to the Pineview Baptist Church to preach the inerrant, infallible, all-sufficient Word of God. I'm thankful for Wes and Charity. Like you said, we actually met in a uh, Facebook group devoted to Charles Spurgeon, to talking about Spurgeon, to, to discussing theology and just fellowship. And then, lo and behold, I met my wife in that same Facebook group. Oddly enough, I, I never planned on pursuing online dating. That's something that I was just like, nope, that's too weird for me. But uh, God had other plans, and our love for Spurgeon is kind of what brought us together, oddly enough. And so I'm going to reference the great Reverend Dr. Spurgeon today a few times in my sermon. But uh, before we begin, I would just like to uh, open us up in a word of prayer and uh, then dive right into the text. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity the privilege and the responsibility uh, I have today to preach your word to your people. Lord, I beg that you would use your word to bring life today to those who are listening here, to those who may listen later on. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would cause someone to fall on their knees and beg for forgiveness and repent of their sins. Lord, all the many miles that my wife and I drove, it would all be wonderful if just one, Lord, was redeemed from the pit, from destruction. And so, Father, I do pray that you would save just one today, Lord. Father, I thank you so much for Wes and Charity and Grace and just the hospitality they have shown, the hospitality that this church has shown. Lord, I pray that you would give me concision of speech, conviction of heart, and clarity of thought to preach the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me, God. Amen and amen. And I hope you have your Bibles with you today. I invite you to turn to the 103rd Psalm as we will dive right into what my friend and pastor says back home is the best part of the sermon, and that is the public reading of the word of God. Psalm 103 says this, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast 
love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor he will keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and it is gone. And its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And his righteousness to children's children to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his host, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And may the word of God be multiplied unto you today. It is a great joy to be with you all today. And it's a grace and a blessing from God for me and for my wife to be here. Um, It's rather encouraging to be in a local church that is gathered together in these somewhat foreboding days as well. There's several churches that aren't gathering right now. There's several churches in my home state of Texas and then my current state of Arkansas that are not even gathering right now. There's several churches in my city of Fayetteville that are not gathering right now. Thankfully, my local church is and they're gathering right now. They're praying for you this morning, uh, by the way. My church, Living Hope Church, like Pastor Wes said, is a uh, church plant from the Sovereign Grace denomination. We sang one of the hymns today that my friend Bob Coughlin wrote. And uh, it is a joy, though, to be with you here today because, like he said, I am Southern Baptist through and through. Uh, Adrian Rogers is my favorite preacher of all time. And uh, I... I've, I've got uh, just such a joy to be standing here behind this sacred desk this morning. So Wes, thank you for the invitation. Charity, thank you for the hospitality. And uh, Mary, thank you for enduring 17 hours in a car with me to get here today. I believe that the Lord led me to this text this morning for a very specific reason. I believe the Lord wants us all to be encouraged and strengthened by today's text and to be exhorted by today's text because of these perilous days that we're in, we may tend to forget to bless the Lord and what we're going through. 
Our, our country is in turmoil. The world is in turmoil. Our friends and family are divided from politics to the, the virus to, to even what football team you're going to root for this fall. And if you don't believe football divides, you've never been to the state of Texas. It certainly divides. But uh, I believe the Lord wants us to be reminded to bless the Lord, to bless his name, to be reminded of his benefits, as the scripture says. I believe that he wants us to be reminded amidst all these trials and, and daunting days we faced in the last two years that we still have a reason to count it all joy, my beloved. We have a reason to count each and every day joy. The psalmist does a fantastic job of orienting our hearts for praise and reminds us of the deep abiding and everlasting love of God that he has for us, his children. The psalmist writes pure praise. John MacArthur, one of my favorite pastors and, and current preachers, he says that this psalm is one of the few psalms in all of the book of Psalms that is not devoted to anything else or any other historical event. It is just strictly devoted to the praise of Yahweh. You see, the, the word Lord is all capitalized in my Bible. That is the distinct and personal name of God. It's the tetragrammaton. It is I am. This psalm is devoted to the worship of Yahweh, to the worship of the Lord. Not just any Lord, but I am the Lord. It is born out of the people who have been saved by God, for God, from God, and to God. This psalm is a reminder of all the great and mighty things that God has done for his people and an encouragement of what all that God will continue to do for all eternity for his people. And so I invite you to look at the text with me. I, uh, I was trying to figure out how I wanted to break this up because there's, there's a way I could do this with 22 different points because there's 22 different verses but I'm not going to have 22 different points. I have one point, and my one point is praise the Lord for all his benefits. And I use that word benefits. Some pastors and preachers have, a, have quibbles with that word benefits because they think that we, we, we shouldn't think of the Lord's gifts to us as benefits because they are gifts, but it is beneficial to be a child of God. And I'm going to point that out to you today, why that word is important and, and these benefits of being a child of God. And so let us turn our eyes to the text once more. This is a Psalm of David. And this Psalm was more than likely written in his older age uh, when he was uh, just a few years away from his deathbed. Uh, a lot of different scholars say he might have been between the ages of 70 and 80. We, we don't really know how old David was when he died. Uh, but this psalm was written in his older age. And something that I, I heard an older minister uh, say one time, he said that the older you get, the better equipped you are to praise the Lord. Because you have lived a life of relying on the Lord, of of surrendering everything to the Lord and seeing in retrospect all that the Lord has done for you. And so King David is writing this psalm in, in his older years. He is near his deathbed. 
And he says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And I want to camp out in the verses between 3 and 14 specifically today. These benefits of the Lord are listed quite succinctly, and we tend to overlook them. What are these benefits of the Lord? He forgets and forgives all our iniquity. He heals us of our diseases. He redeems our life from the pit. He crowns us with steadfast love and mercy. Forgiveness of sins is probably the greatest gift that God could ever give us. It's the greatest benefit that we have as children of God because to be called a child of God, we have to be forgiven by God. And this text, this uh, psalm, it just points us to the gospel in such a beautiful way. It points us to the everlasting love of the Father that He had for us. As John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He sent His only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. And then my favorite verse right after that, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world from being condemned. And so the Lord forgives all our iniquity. He doesn't condemn us of our iniquity. He forgives us of our iniquity. We should never forget that, that the Lord is steadfast in His forgiveness. His forgiveness spans from eternity past to eternity future. See, the Lord calls us all to Himself. He draws us to Himself. The Holy Spirit has this effectual call on our hearts and causes us to fall on our knees and worship God. And God knows how vile we can be as humans. He knows our hearts. He knows our frame, as the psalm says. Earlier on in in Psalms, it also says that He knit us together in our mother's womb. He knows how many hairs are on our head, and so He knows us intimately. He knows that we are fallen. He knows that we are sinful. He knows that we can be vile people. Yet He still chooses to forgive us. He still chooses to love us, to pour out His mercy and grace upon our lives, all because He loves us. Uh, Currently, I'm uh, leading the men at my church through a uh, book study by C.J. Mahaney, Living the Cross-Centered Life. And it's talking within this entire book about how to live a cross-centered life, how to live with your eyes focused on the cross. And it's a constant reminder of the great love of God for us, of the love that He has for us through His Son, Jesus Christ, the love that He has for us through the prophets and through the rest of Scripture, how it just points us to God's love for us. And how if we don't understand God's love, we can't understand why the cross is so important. It's because of God's love that that Jesus went to the cross for us. It's because of Christ's love for us that He stayed on the cross. Because we know that Jesus was God Himself in human form. He was fully God and fully man, and He could have gotten off that cross if He wanted to. But He loved us so much that He stayed on that cross, and He loved His Father so much that He obeyed His Father's will, and He allowed Himself to be the perfect, spotless lamb, the sacrifice for our sins. That should cause us to praise the Lord. That should cause us to bless the Lord and 
constantly remind us to never forget of this great forgiveness that he has given us. Because I know I cannot save you. I know that Pastor Wes and Charity cannot save you. I I can't even save myself. But I know that God can. And I know that God can forgive me even when I have fallen so short of his glory. My wife can tell you how many times I have fallen short of God's glory. We've only been married two years and I'm learning quickly that marriage is the greatest sanctifier a man can have. Yet I see how God is blessing me in my marriage because the way that she forgives me is the way that God forgives me unconditionally, without hesitation, without reservation. She forgives me the same way God has forgiven me. And so we must never forget that God forgives all our iniquity. And then something that goes hand in hand with forgiveness is the healing of disease. And not just the healing of physical maladies, but the healing of the disease of sin in our hearts. Sin is a cancer on our body. We are born sinners. We are children of wrath, as the book of Ephesians says. And by nature, we, we just are consumed with sin. Yet God forgives us and he heals us of this sinful nature. He heals us of this disease. He replaces our heart of stone with a heart of flesh where we are open to the mercy and the love of God. And so we must never forget the fact that he heals us of this sinful disease in our hearts. He replaces our heart and he puts his spirit inside of us that rejuvenates us, that renews our mind as R.C. Sproul used to say. He constantly is pouring himself into us and wiping away every shred of sin, every shred of our other father, the the devil, as Paul talks about how the devil is our father. If we are living in sin, he erases all of that DNA and he replaces it with his own. So he heals us of our sinful disease. He redeems our life from the pit and he crowns us or the better translation would be he surrounds us with steadfast love and mercy. I love that, that he, he surrounds us with his steadfast love and mercy. I know what it means to be loved by my parents. I know what it means to feel the mercy of my own father. And even so much more, I, I can't imagine what God must go through to love each and every one of us. You would think that he would be spent, his love would be emptied out, but no, it is eternal, it is perfect, and it is constant. And he continues to surround us with his love and his mercy. It's steadfast, it's constant, it's everlasting, it's it's immutable, it's unchanging, it's perfect, and it is secure and sure. One of my favorite hymns is, He Will Hold Me Fast. When I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, He will hold me fast. It's His steadfast love that holds me fast, that keeps me in His bosom, that allows me to be nurtured and sanctified and eventually glorified when I see heaven. It's this goodness of the Lord. He satisfies my soul with His love 
He redeems my life by his love, by his mercy. My youth is renewed like that of the eagle's wings. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding again in steadfast love. In a time in which we live today, we need to be reminded of the steadfast love of the Lord. We have to be reminded of the steadfast love of the Lord because if we are not reminded of it, we begin to see the evil in each and every one of us. We fight, we bicker, we, we, we are drawn, drawing lines in the sand and, and looking at one another as enemies. But we have forgotten the steadfast love of the Lord. That's why all that is happening. That's why you see Christians fighting against one another. Our brothers and sisters, we're fighting against. We, we bicker online towards one another. If you've ever been on Twitter, I encourage you to just get off. And I need to take my own uh, wisdom and, and words to heart because there's so much vitriol. Just Christians fighting and backbiting one another, even within our own denomination of the SBC. It's just, it's terrible. It's heartbreaking that pastors and church leaders and denominational leaders have forgotten the love of God. They've forgotten to love their neighbor as themselves. They've forgotten to treat each other as Christ would have us treat ourselves. They've forgotten that love is the greatest thing. That's what Paul says, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. They need to go back and read 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and talk about the love of a brother and sister in Christ. They need to go back and read all of Ephesians and be reminded that we are no longer children of wrath. We have put that foolishness behind us and now we have been saved by grace through faith. And that should cause us to love one another. And so the steadfast love of the Lord should never be forgotten because His love is the reason why we can love each other. His love is the reason why we can love our fellow man, even if they don't look like us, act like us, speak like us, and pronounce East Carolina University incorrectly. But we must love one another. Greater love has no man than to lay his life down for his brother. When was the last time we saw people laying their lives down for their brothers and sisters in the Lord? I think of the picture of the Marine who was rescuing that baby over in Afghanistan. That, that image has been seared in my mind. A United States Marine is the picture of brotherly love. I had a grandfather who, who was a Marine, and he would, if he was still alive today, he would say, still say he is a Marine. Um, but I have this picture of my grandfather doing the same thing when he served in Korea, rescuing Korean children amidst fire and amidst gunfire and bombs going off. And I see this picture of this Marine picking up this Afghan child and pulling it over the fence and securing it and nurturing it. I think greater love, it doesn't exist. He's laying his life down for this infant, for this child. He may or may not be a believer in the Lord. I don't know, but it's the love of God that, that permeates through all of creation that causes us to do that sort of thing. God reveals himself to all of us. That's what Romans 1 says. All of creation reveals God's goodness and holiness and perfect love. And, and we respond to it. Even if we are not believers in the Lord, people respond to that. And they stick their lives out for people. That's the goodness of the Lord doing that, working through that person and working through each and every one of us. So we must remember the benefit 
of the love of the Lord because it not only benefits us individually, it benefits all of us collectively, especially as a local church. A local church should be the epicenter of the love of God for believers because it is here you are, you are cleaved together with one another. You have covenanted together with one another to worship God, to serve God, to love God. And one of the greatest gifts a local church can have is a faithful minister who preaches the word of God. And I know you have that here. And I'm thankful for West, but I'm thankful for all of the pastors across the United States and across the globe who remind their congregations to love the Lord with all their heart, mind, soul, body, strength. Because God loves us that much. God loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us. We can't ever forget about that. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. At the right time, Christ died for us. The ungodly, the scoundrels of the world, Christ died for us. And it's because of God's great love that he did that, that he, that he sent his son to die for us. And more importantly than God's love is the fact that he is slow to anger. Why do you think God can love us? Because he is slow to anger. Because he forgets our sin. The fact that he is slow to anger, though, should only cause us to worship him even more and be thankful for his abounding love so much more. My friend Spurgeon says this, and I have to read this quote directly because it is just too good not to get right. There is no greater proof of the omnipotence of God than his long suffering, for it shows the greatest possible power for God to be able to control himself, to be able to keep in an anger which naturally must boil and restrain a fury which else must burn. God has great leisure. He lives not merely in time. He inhabiteth eternity. A thousand years are to him, but as one day, so he can afford to wait. How powerful is that? God can afford to wait, to spare his wrath on those who deserve to have his wrath poured out on them. He is long suffering. He is holy. He is good. He is loving. And it's because of the fact that he is long-suffering, that he is slow to anger, that he can continue to forgive our sins and love us with an everlasting love. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. And it's because of that steadfast love, that ability to be slow to anger, that he forgets our sin and our falling aways. Because our account has been settled once and for all. No longer do we have to go into the tabernacle, into temples, and, and spill the blood of a goat, a bull, or a lamb, or two doves, or whatever it is we have. No longer do we have to do that. Not only is it messy and disgusting, but the fact is, the perfect lamb was slain for us. And so that means that God's perfect righteousness was given to us through his son, Jesus Christ. So now our account is settled. The debt has been paid. And now God's anger is diverted away from us. And he poured his wrath, his anger out upon his son on the cross. We deserve that. Yet his steadfast love, his abounding love, his grace, his mercy kept it from falling upon us because Jesus took our place. 
we should be screaming from the top of our lungs, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name because he spared my life. Not only did he spare my life, he gave me new life. He resurrected my body from the pit. He brought me out of Sheol and he is sending me into paradise one day. Can you imagine to be the thief on the cross who was next to Jesus? At one time he was mocking him along with his friend who was on the other side. And then, and then he says, this, this man has done no wrong. And he says, Lord, Jesus, I'm sorry. Can you forgive me? I believe in you. And Jesus says, truly, you will be with me in paradise today. That forgiveness, that steadfast love was immediately given to this thief on the cross. Immediately, Jesus' own righteousness was transfused and given to this thief on the cross. That's how quick God works. That's how incredible the fact of the gospel is. It is immediate. Your heart is changed. The Holy Spirit grips you and you are brought back to life. Have you ever seen those, the, the, the AEDs that people put on someone whose heart has stopped? I, uh, in another life, I was, a, uh, I was a football coach, actually, and a PE teacher. And I had to learn how to use one of those AEDs to take it off the wall and put the leads on someone's heart if they stopped during football or, or, or during a PE class. And so we're testing it on a dummy that actually responds to electrode, uh, electrical impulses the same way that a human would. And so I'm learning how to use this, and I put the leads on. And it was incredible to see this you know, dummy just start wobbling and, and almost like being brought to life once you hit the button. And I imagine that's what the Holy Spirit does to us. His leads are put onto us as soon as we confess our need for a Savior and we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and we repent of our sin. The Holy Spirit just cranks the voltage up and brings our soul back to life. One of my favorite passages in all of Scripture is in Ezekiel. When Ezekiel talks about the valley of the dry bones and the Lord God commands Ezekiel to preach life to this valley of dry bones. And he begins to preach the word of God. We all know the word of God, the Logos, is Jesus Christ. And so he is preaching about the coming Messiah, about resurrection, and about life after death to these dry bones. And these dry bones begin to move. I picture that in my head. I just think that's incredible. These bones start moving and shaking and then sinew and flesh start to come together. And then skeletons now are put together and they have flesh on them and they're coursing with life and they're walking around. And that's what the word of God does to us. It stirs within us new life and the Holy Spirit causes us to be born again to a living hope. Living hope found in Jesus Christ alone. And so that's why we can never forget the benefits of the Lord. Because he brings us out of the pit. He brings us back to life. He does not deal according with our sins because he forgets our sins. That's the only way we are brought back to life is he has forgotten our sins. It's hard for me to forget how people have wronged me. It's easy for me to forgive them, but it's hard for me to forget. I praise God that it is not hard for him to forget. Because if God still held me accountable for each and every one of my sins, there's no way I could be in front of you today. There's no way any of us should enter into the house of the Lord 
if he remembered each and every one of our sins. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Spurgeon goes on to say in one of his morning and evening devotionals, if you don't have a copy of that, I encourage you to find a copy of Spurgeon's morning and evening. It's a 365-day devotional of insight and wisdom and commentary from one of the greatest commentators God has given us. But he says this, He is sun ever shining. He is manna always falling around the camp. He is a rock in the desert ever sending out streams of life from his smitten side. The rain of his grace is always dropping. The river of his grace is ever flowing. And the wellspring of his love is constantly overflowing. That's why we can never forget the benefits of the Lord. Because once we start to forget, we forget to worship and praise him for all that he has done for us. I I have several friends of mine who they have fallen away from the Lord. I'm 31 years old. I've been a believer since I was seven years old. And friend after friend from grade school, from youth group, from college, I just see falling away from the Lord. And the chief answer is they just, they forgot. They have forgotten what God has done for them. They think they can do life better without him. But they have forgotten all that God has done for them. And so, my beloved, I encourage you to never, ever forget the benefits of the Lord. Never, ever forget the fact that God loves you with an everlasting, steadfast love that abounds over all sin. That he has forgotten each and every sin that you have ever committed and ever will commit. That God's grace is sufficient to continue to sustain you and save you throughout all of life's trouble. That His mercy is everlasting. His mercies are new each and every day. And the only reason I can stand before you and say that is because there have been times where I have almost forgotten what God has done for me. And yet I look in the Psalms and I look in His written Word and I am just reminded afresh of all that God has done for me. I look in my past and I see where God has brought me from and where He has put me today. And I worship and praise Him all the more for that. And so, my beloved, I just want to encourage you to never forget the Lord because He will never forget you. You may be in a place where you feel alone. You may feel depressed and anxious about what's going on. You may have lost your job because of the pandemic. You may have lost loved ones because of the pandemic or other things that are going on, other circumstances out there. You have not been forgotten because the Lord, your God, Yahweh, loves you he cares about you with a love so deep and a love so wide it is as it is so immeasurable as far as the east as from the west he loves you and he wants to surround you with his grace and his mercy and his everlasting love and so my beloved please know that god loves you that he is there for you and i'm preaching to myself now as i say that because it's hard to be reminded of that sometimes because life 
can get to you. Life can get in the way. Circumstances may change. You may lose your job. Your reputation may be tarnished. But your reputation with God is not tarnished. Because He loves you. He cares for you. And He is there for you. As Spurgeon says, He is sun ever shining. And He will sustain you by His grace. He will protect you with His mercy. And He will crown you with love everlasting. And that's all I had for you today. I believe the Lord just wanted me to encourage you, and I hope you have been. And I want to say this to you right now, though. If you have never felt the love of the Lord, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, then I encourage you to put your faith in Christ Jesus, who paid your debt upon the cross, who by His stripes you have been healed from the disease of sin. From the nails that were nailed into His hands upon that Roman cross, each and every drop of blood that was shed, He shed for you. It's by His love that He did that for you. And all you have to do, all you have to do is have faith that God did that for you. And you receive this gift of salvation if you believe in your heart that Jesus died for your sins. And the incredible thing is if you believe that he got up three days later, that God raised him from the dead where he defeated death, he defeated sin, and he defeated Satan, the Bible says you will be saved. And so, my beloved, if you have never heard that and never received that gospel, that salvation as the perfect and loving gift from God, I encourage you to not walk out these doors today because we don't know how many days we have ahead of us. And I encourage you to trust in God, trust in Christ for the salvation of your sins and secure this love that God has for you today. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your steadfast, abounding, constant, perfect incredible love. I thank you, Lord, for all the benefits that come from being your child. And I pray, O oh Lord, that we would never forget the fact that while we were still sinners, you sent your son to die for us, that you have given us a new life, that you have given us a new name that has been written down in glory. And our place is secured forever and ever and ever by your side. We thank you so much, Lord, for your rich mercy and because of the great love with which you loved us that you made us alive together with Christ and that by your grace you have saved us and raised us up with Christ and seated us with Christ in the heavenly places. And so, Father, I pray that we would share this gospel, we would share this truth, and we would encourage those who may have fallen away to never forget the benefits of the Lord. That we should praise the Lord for all eternity, for all that he has done. How he has settled our account. How he has forgotten our sin. And how he continues to show his great love upon us. Father, I thank you so much for these people here who have been gathered together who constitute this local church. I pray that you would bless them, their ministry efforts here in the community of Goldsboro, 
North Carolina and the surrounding areas, that you would just give them grace and favor in the community, Lord, that you would build your church, that not even the gates of hell would overpower them. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like more information about Pineview Baptist Church, we invite you to follow us on social media. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Pineview Baptist Goldsboro. There you will find information about our service times, upcoming events, directions to our church, and videos of our Sunday services.